Windsor, Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice, River Radio, of the Thames Valley. Afternoon to you. You're listening to River Radio. It's Uncaught with Brian and Kath. Wee, <laughs> how are you, Kath? I'm good. Long time no see. I know. It seems like ages, it doesn't it? It does feel like a long time. Do you know what? I got here literally. By this, literally. And I, I'm sat here in usual awe of you because you literally walk in, traffic's been a nightmare, bang, turn it on. Well, do you know? What man do you of, do? Man of many talents. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me just turn that up a little bit so I can hear myself. So, um, what are we doing here today? Oh, it's uncorked, isn't it? It's, it's one uncorked. o'clock. It's, it's Thursday. Exactly. It's all about wine. Oh, it's all about wine. Fantastic. Well, um, coming up then on Uncorked do you want? Today, would you like to know what we're up to? Do you know what? I've literally <laughs> got the sheet like 30 <laughs> seconds ago, ago and it's something about Tuscany. Yes. We're going to have a, a sort of a... A drone view of Tuscany. Oh, right, lovely. Yeah, we're going to look sort of as, as just a bird's eye view of the region as a whole, rather than too much detail, just look overall and think, what do you get from here? What's it like? As a, as a general thing. All oh, right, OK. Yeah. OK, we're going to Tuscany. Where are we going after that? What are we doing after that? Well, I thought we'd nip to France. Oh, lovely. Yeah, as we do. You know, we dot all over. We do. So we're heading down to the south, to Long Roussillon, to the Tau Basin, to talk about Pitbull. Ooh. Yeah. And then, of course, we'll be menu matching. Yep. Oh, how exciting. Hmm. Stay where you are. Don't go anywhere. Don't worry. Everything's under control. We're diving in. Dive in. To River Radio. That's a lovely little bit of music, isn't it? Diving in. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, I, I am well up for this, then, Kath. So, I'm I, I'm in my little uh, um, well, a drone. You're I've, your drone. I've gone zipping up, and yeah. I'm now I'm sort of scooting over the over the the, the rolling, clouds rolling and hills. Hill. You can see rolling hills and cypress trees and, and the terroir. Some the odd attractive property. The, the odd attractive property. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Dotted around. Now, wh- why am I here? Why am I in this drone? What's going on? I thought we were talking about wine. Well, we are talking about wine. Okay. We thought we might look at Tuscany in the more general sense. So okay. rather than... It's a deep dive in that we're looking at everything in Tuscany, but we're not going to drill down into teeny tiny details about individual wines today. Okay. So what we're going to think about is... What do we know about Tuscany? So if I said to you Tuscany, what do you immediately think of? Well, do you know what? I don't really know the area at all. So I think France. Which is, I think, which is why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think France. And it's probably got some wine. But apart from that, nothing. Yeah. See, most people think Tuscany, Sangiovese-based reds like Chianti. Okay. Yeah. For the most part, if you're thinking more wine specifically. But there's more to it than that. But obviously, that is a very important part of Tuscany. But strictly speaking, it's one of the most prolific and famous wine regions in Europe, possibly. Do you okay. think that's a fair statement? I had no idea. I don't but, think Yeah, exactly. It. Probably not for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Prolific? Famous? Really? <laughs> so, but yes. what, what you're saying is they, they crank out a 
bit of plonk. They do. A significant amount of very fine wine. Fine wines. Yeah. But also great value wines. Okay. So it's a broad spectrum. And so you've got everything from famous wines like Brunello de Montalcino, which is made around the village of Montalcino in Tuscany, Vinono Bill de Montepulciano, um, and then also things like, as we said, Chianti, and sweet wines like Vansanto. Okay. So uh, before we go steaming in too far to Tuscany... And whites. And whites, yeah. yeah. But before we go steaming too far into Tuscany... Yeah. And, uh, the, now, the French have, like, what's called... Uh, they're, they're very confusing for me france <laughs> not the country in general just the wine because they don't you know like like a lot of wines they'll tell you you know you're getting mm-hmm. sauvignon blanc and it'll be sauvignon blanc and it'll be leaping lizards or something yes and that makes sense to me good name for a wine label there i, just, I just made that up yeah just like that you see when Brilliant. you're not when you're not thinking about it too hard they just come yeah they do yeah. so that's what um, that's what they'll do most of the place, and then France, of course, being France, um, they'll put Chateau um, Mugu de Fribier, and I'm thinking, well, I don't know what that is, and then it's like Appellation Controle and all of this sort of malarkey. Well, they're not unique; it's more of a European thing. Okay, so across Europe, yeah. the wines are designated and named by often the places where they're made. Okay. Which is also what you see in Italy and Spain and other places in Europe. So you just have to just you, learn it. So like Rioja, you kind of know what you're getting a bit, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and the same in, for many with Chianti as well. You sort of know what to expect, although the styles, like with Rioja or anything, can be fairly prolific and quite yeah. broad. You, you, sort of, you will also find wines that have the name of a grape variety on the front as well now. So things that are produced at sort of the more generic level doesn't necessarily mean they're not great quality they'll often tell you what they're made with sometimes as well so that's the joy of a back label if they include a back label is you've usually got some information about varieties on there as well so it's sort of a a double-edged sword if you know that the area is delimited it guarantees it's from that place it doesn't necessarily guarantee you quality but it does guarantee it's from that place and very often those places were given the classifications and delimited in the way that they are because they were known to produce good wines so in, in France, then, an appellation mm-hmm. is just, it, it's like an, just an area. Is yeah. that what it means? Yeah. I can almost speak French, can't I? Yeah, check you out. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a specific area, and they can be quite broad. Yeah. And they can be quite specific as well. So you can get things that are designated by villages. And actually, one of the things you might look at next week is look at Chianti more specifically, and look at the different subzones within Chianti because they're obviously labelled differently as well. Okay. So that so, sort of is the further next stage of drilling down. Right. So would would Tuscany be an appellation? Would that you the whole of Tuscany, or does it have separate smaller patches of appellation? It's mostly slightly smaller patches. Okay. Um, and there's a broader designation, sort of an IGP designation, which is similar to something like Van der Pey, which could be um, IGP Toscana, and okay. so it's a wine from. Tuscany. Right. And you do see those, but that's sort of, if you imagine a pyramid, that's the, the wines that often sit towards the bottom of the pyramid because they're, they're not controlled in such a strict or delimited way. Mm-hmm. There's okay. less rules applied to them. Okay. So is those smaller appellations around Tuscany then, is there a distinct sort of difference or do they all just focus on those wines you've already mentioned? No, there can be very distinct differences and loads of indigenous varieties. Oh, okay. Well, let's get into it then. What can we find? So, so, I mean, if you're looking very broadly and you want to think about red wines, you'd probably think of things, as I said before, like Chianti Chianti or Brunello or even the Super Tuscans and wines from Bulgari or Marema and those sort of areas. Then you've got specific wines like Vansanto that are controlled and delimited in in their character and how they're made and then you've obviously got white wines and these often come from 
Sorry, I thought there was a dog, I think. <laughs> by my foot. I was like, what was that? Nope, there's no dog. I think it was just what, one of the plug it? things moving. <laughs> and then one of the plugs underneath me moved. Was, don't, don't worry, listeners. <laughs> it's all under control yeah, exactly. here. Exactly. Catherine leaps out of her seat. Yes, we, we've got this. Don't worry. <laughs> the look on your face then, sort of a mystery dog under the table. <laughs> Um, no, no dogs, all good. Um, but you can also have villages that produce certain wines. So you've got things like Venaccia that are produced in places like San Gimignano that are very specific to that region and that village. And the vineyards are in a specific area around that village. So you've got things happening like that. But then you've obviously, as I said, you've got more generic things like you could have a Vermentino produced. And it could be from a specific place or it could be with a broader classification. Okay, so yeah. a Vermentino. This, is, this, is, this sounds very sort of Italian. Well, so we're in Italy. How are we? <laughs> That's just going so well today. <laughs> we're in. Oh. Although, actually, oh, Corsica, Corsica make really good Vermentino, and strictly speaking, I guess that's sort of off the coast of France. I thought we were in so, France. No, we're in... Cent- okay, right, oh, let's go no, right back right, to basics. Okay. We're in central <sighs> Italy. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hello and welcome, it's Thursday, one o'clock, and it's Uncaught with Brian and Kath. We're in Tuscany in Italy today, uh, carry on. <laughs> so, okay, we're in central Italy, yes, I so it's that. kind of I, the middle part. I was just winding you up. <laughs> Tuscany's late neighbours are Liguria and Emilia Romana, which are to the north, so Emilia Romana's the home of things like balsamic vinegar and I Bologna. Sorry, I can't, <laughs> believe, I can't believe I just said, that sounds more Italian than... <laughs> It is. There's a reason for that. Oh, <laughs> exactly. God help us. And so, and, and to the east, you've got Umbria and the Marche, and then to the south, you've got Lazio, so Rome and the home of Frascati. So that's where sort of Tuscany sits in its context, which, and I can guarantee to you it's not in France. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can dear. say that, even with my terrible geography, I can say that with you know all what? certainty. I, I, the, the sad thing is, I've been there. I don't know. I mean, you say you uh, you sort of admire the way I sort of come in like thirty seconds before the start I of the show. Tempted fate, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you should never do that because uh, I'm all over the place. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So its western boundary is the is the Tyrrhenian Sea. So there is a coastal element and a maritime element to some of the some of the get my brain in gear. The microclimates that you see. So the things that are the co- like Marema is across the coast, and so they get a very very different climate than perhaps inland where it's more Mediterranean. You've got lots of picturesque rolling hills, sort of medieval medieval villages that are very, very pretty. Cypress trees all around the place, and obviously tourists quite like it as a region. So it is a popular region for people to visit. Um, of Italy's 20 regions, 20 wine regions in Italy. Wow. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. Um, Tuscany's history dates back to about the 5th century, so it goes a long, long way back in the records, and that's BC, <laughs> so before Christ. Yeah. Um, so... It has in it, and I have to remember my numbers here, I'm going to check them. So it has officially recognised at least 41 DOC, and so those are origins that are controlled and delimited, so the same as a, an Appalachian in France. Mm-hmm. And it has 11, I think, DOCG, which are sort of the very top, the, the areas that you often get the most controlled wines, so Chianti Classico being one of them. So this is the, the Appalachian that I was talking about earlier on, there's a yeah. reason for it all, I did it on purpose, was yes. because actually a DOC is Domith... Uh, what is it? Dom... Dom- Domination Original yeah, Controller or origin something. Controller, yeah. yeah, okay. So it's that's exactly the same thing. And the but similar thing obviously exists in Portugal and Spain as well. Yeah. yeah. So though all, all that's telling you though is that um, the wine with that on it 
it, it definitely comes, comes from, from that, that place. particular place. But the, there, there will be rules applied to that. When we oh, talked about okay. pit pool earlier, actually, I pulled out some of the rules they have to apply by to make a pit pool de pinay. So ah. there'll be certain rules. So, you, for example, the yield can be limited. So the yield from a basic Chianti versus a Chianti Classico, which is a DOCG or a Reserva, will have they'll have different rules. Whether that's minimum alcohol levels at picking, maximum yields, ageing requirements, type of ageing. So there will be rules built in. So it doesn't necessarily, as I said before, guarantee quality, but it... It goes some way to hope, you know, we yeah, can hope that it we can hope, would yeah. make sure it's of a certain standard. Yeah, I get it. Clearly making the wine. Yeah, so that's basically the view. Um, the more flexible areas, there's these six sort of IGPs, um, which used to be called IGTs, which are designated geographical areas. It's indicating a geographical area. Um, and then there's the IGP, which is the pan-regional one, which is the IGP Toscana. And those will often say things like Sangiovese Toscana on the label, so you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as is often the way, the, the prices escalate as you move up through the ranks. So the more delimited the area, the more limited the production often, the more expensive the wines. Yeah, yep. makes sense, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so that sort of follows that model. So as I said, climatically... You're looking at a region where you've got coastal influence, but you've also got inland influence. So it tends to um, partly be the reason for the region's success and why you get variety from the region. So there's a degree of diversity, which is a nice thing for a consumer. Um, But you've got warm, temperate coastal climates with dry summers, but they get a little bit more rain. And the inland areas where you've got the hills, for the most part, they have the bigger differences between night and daytime temperatures. And so that can help produce sort of great... We talked about before, those diurnal temperature shifts. So you gain... You, re- you, you help retain your acidity while the grapes ripen and you create or retain ar- aromatic compounds, giving the wines their flavour. So, there you go. We're yeah. definitely in Italy and that's sort of the headline. It, is there a difference between, the, let's say, the East Coast and West Coast? Because if you're in the middle, it's what? It, what is it? It's it doesn't a couple go of hundred all, miles, Yeah, it doesn't it? go all the way across, though, It doesn't. Because on the other side, you've got the Marche and Abruzzo and places like that and they moved further towards the coast. So it's sort of, it, it, it goes sort of middle to the coast by the Tyrrhenian Sea. Oh, okay. Right, I'm with you. Yep. yep. Okay, so Sangiovese does dominate, without a shadow of a doubt. It's about 85% of the red wine produced in the region is made with Sangiovese. So it's it's pretty important, great variety there. But other great varieties do do their thing. There's a, there's a fair few of them. Yep. Can I just go back to Sangiovese first? Yes, go on. Right, what can I expect? Okay, it, going back to Brian's scale of what a wine is like. Yeah. So we've got Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Shiraz or Shiraz. Yeah. Um, I know what these are. Pinot Noir, got a good idea. Where yeah. are we on that scale? What on that scale. Okay, so... <gasps> difficult one, difficult one. Is it full-bodied? Is it rich? Is it heavy? Is it, or can you just, depending on what you do with it in the... To a certain extent, yes. Yeah, you can get some Sangiovese. I tend to find it sort of more medium to full-bodied, but you can get wines that are made in a lighter style as well. It, it literally depends on the winemaking philosophy. It will work with oak, but a lot of it's put into older wood very often. Flavour-wise, I mean, it's Italian wine. You expect a degree of tannin and a good degree of acidity. That's part of the... Blood of Jove, I think, is what it translates as, Sangiovese. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, Sangiovese. Blood of Jove's. Yeah. Jove. Jove, yeah. Ah, there we yeah. go. Learn something new every day, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't sound so attractive. Well. Yeah, in a way. But it's been kinging around since, what was it, 300 BC or something? Exactly. Um, the classic fruit descriptions are often cherry-based. So people think of cherries, sour cherries, that sort of Italian red wine feel. But often when you get nuance, it can get a little bit more peculiar. Herbal characters, sometimes even sun-dried tomato pops into the tasting notes. Yeah, so... Oh, well th- But if you enjoy yeah. something like a Rioja, so when I was tasting blind, my two things I used to... One, well, there were lots of things I used to get wrong. Um, but one of the things that I used to find really hard was deciding, is this Tuscan Chianti or is it Tempranillo from Rioja? 
I've always found them really hard to separate at oh. a certain quality level. Yeah, that's I, my personal personal organoleptic weakness, probably on my tem- part. Tempranillo you know, is is literally um, what they use for Rioja, it's isn't it? Predominant grape variety in Rioja. Yeah. So yeah, in Chianti as well, they're often blended. So oh, okay. Yeah, like Rioja can have other grape varieties blended, like Mathuello and Ganacha. See, I always thought Chianti was much more of a lighter sort of. Uh, yeah. yeah. Again, really it, d- it depends on that winemaker philosophy. You know, is someone a more modern winemaker? Are they extracting more? Are they ripening more? Are they using more new wood? Or are they very traditional and do they use less new wood? And, you know, they're harvesting in a different way, perhaps when it's got more acidity. Mentally, I feel like it should be slightly lighter in style, but there are still some pretty full-bodied wines out there. But nice acidity, really great food wine. There you go. I mean, they always are, aren't they? They're Italian wines. Well, this is it. You're, you've already said that, you know, we were looking at a hint of um, tomato in some of these, mm. th- these characteristics. Exactly. Well, you know, Italian cooking, it's all about tomatoes, isn't it? Exactly. Eh? So, yeah, so that's, that's, your, that's your joy there. So and you've got different synonyms for it throughout the region. You also have planted quite a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot now with the rise of the Super Tuscans which we can talk about at some point if the you rise want. rise of the what? The Super Tuscans. What are Super Tuscans? Well... I'll just give you literally the headlines. As a period of time, people started to make wines that didn't fall under the DOC and DOCG ruling because they, they contained Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot and sometimes Syrah. So they contain these different grape varieties and they weren't... You, know, you don't contain Sangiovese, you don't contain Cagnolo, you don't contain um, Colorino, therefore you can't be made as a Chianti even if you've got some Sangiovese in you. And so they were made basically to be originally vino da tavola they had to be declassified to the sort of the lowest levels but they were achieving incredible pl- prices wines like satiskaya and ornalia and tignanello um so they became known as the super tuscans because they were oh. deemed to be brilliant wines with amazing longevity and also carried the price tag one might expect with that yeah and well, that was the rise of the super tuscans yeah so these dom- domicile controle or original controle regions yeah. and, and areas and stuff it, it seems that they, although they may encourage a certain standard, they may also yeah. prevent you from doing what you know is right as a winemaker. It doesn't make great. Yeah, it's or like to make new wines that do do work. I mean, it, yeah. it's often controversial because a traditionalist may say, "Why well, don't those wines? They're not traditional to our region." But at the same time, it becomes part. Of, they often update things, and things that eventually become part of the establishment that originally weren't with time, and that does happen. But also, you see. Um, other smaller grape varieties are now sort of starting to emerge in some areas where people are finding these indigenous grape varieties and trying to work with them more, either within Sangiovese-based blends or on their own as well. So things like, um, I think it's pronounced Pugnatello, which is obviously something we don't see every day. I probably tried one in Italy, but I don't know where you'd buy one here. But you're starting to see people looking away from those international varieties and towards what's indigenous in the region and a greater rise toward those, towards those. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there are changes. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, it sounds like there's a racetrack outside today. It, 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 I'm not inquiring. Yeah, there's some sort of street racing occurring. Yeah. I think it's Marlow Street Racing. <laughs> so they closed here. the bridge. That's um, what they've closed the bridge, Ryan. They've closed the bridge to allow for street racing and to inconvenience you. They have closed the bridge <laughs> to inconvenience me. Well, look at the time. We are 20 past already. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, we are going to um, have a song now. We're going to listen to uh, I'm Born to Run. Why is that? Who's that? I've never heard of it. By the American authors? Yeah. Why? Yeah. I know. I, I used to quite enjoy running when I was in Tuscany, so I thought, I mean, it's a very tenuous link. If you want to run some hills and see some beautiful landscape, it's a good place to go. 
don't go anywhere. Come back right after this. We're talking. We're going to explore. We're going to go deeper into Tuscany. You're listening to River Radio. The voice of the Thames Valley. River Radio. I think I like it. Uh, You give one quick twitch and the thing is done. Run down rocky cliffs, give me grace, bury my sins, shattered glass and black holes, can't hold me back from where I need to go. Oh, oh, yellow hills and valleys deep, I watch them move under my feet, stranger Track to life in the Thames Valley. River. Radio. On the web. To the Batmobile. Let's go. On your mobile. Hello. And on Alexa too. River Radio. That's it. Hmm. I pronounced that River Radio.
but I'm always working on how I say things and I might not have it right. <laughs> yes, you're listening to River Radio. It's uncorked. Brian and Kath. Yeah, we're here. We Just. are <laughs> hovering. <laughs> we hovering above Tuscany in central France, which has now moved into central Italy. Yes, exactly. <sighs> So we've zoomed now. We're zooming. Never, never say Tuscany is in in France. Okay, I said it once, but I think I got away with it. <laughs> Nobody heard. That sounds very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds really Italian. Um, but now we've got that little tiny little thing cleared up. We um, are going to France. We are we? Yes. <laughs> now you're just winding me up, I'm aren't not, you? I promise you, I'm not winding you up. We're going to the Longue Roussillon in the south of France. <sighs> oh, right, we're in France now. Pink, pink flamingos. She's like, what is she on now? I'm just in that's confusing. You know, there's lots of flamingos down there in the salt pans. Now I know you're winding me up. I know, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Florida or something. Well, you're, all right, so we're in France. We're, we're um, in um, Languedoc. We are, yes. Now, whereabouts is Languedoc? Middle, left, right? South. South. South coastal, yeah. Okay. Tau Basin. Right. So the Lagoon de Tau. So it's like a big, like a, an etang, a big lake, a big pond. And it's... Um, goes out to the coast so you have this 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 lagoon that comes in and then running down to the lagoon you have vineyards oh how lovely sounds great is it goes yeah, into the med not the atlantic God, that, that might be a step too far without a map in front of me brian oh probably mediterranean i, I imagine s- it's mediterranean i would have thought mediterranean yeah yeah but i could be wrong. i'm trying to see a map in my head now and i can see the visualize what the region looks like and there's water but there's no my, my memory is not showing me oh okay so because you know, bordeaux bordeaux is over towards the atlantic oh no side. no we're, we're, we're south so yeah it's got to so be med. I, I think it's med yeah it's got to be med yeah med yeah you're listening to the experts here don't mm. worry yeah, but I'm not a geography expert, I'm a wine expert. Yeah, exactly. I, I'll use that as my excuse. Yeah, don't, geography, <laughs> yeah, like I'm a geography expert. I, I was in the wrong country <laughs> half an hour ago. Anyway. We're firing on both cylinders today, Brian. <laughs> Languedoc, really in France, in the south bit. In the south bit, Lovely. Yeah. So massive, is that what Languedoc means? Is like lagoon. <laughs> You're also asking me a question. I should have saved these for Challenge Cath, You should I? have done. I'd have looked at you blankly today. <laughs> Actually, I'm not entirely sure. It's like I was tasting yesterday and I was tasting really badly. So, yeah, I'm, yeah it's not a good week for wine for right. me, personally. Okay. Anyway, that side, yeah. we are specifically looking at Pickpool and it's one of the oldest long dot grape varieties. Um, okay. it's, grown in the, it's been growing in the Tau Lagoon or the Tau Basin for centuries. Mm-hmm. And you can get sort of gris. Pickpool Gris, which is like a blush-coloured grape, and Pickpool Noir, but they're much rarer. The one that we see the most is Pickpool Blanc, so a white grape variety. So you can get red, white, red and white from this group? This. The different, yeah, they're basically the grape variety, and it's got, like Pinot Noir, you've got Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot... Okay. Um, Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Noir, yes, mm-hmm. the three. Yeah. Um, can't count either today. And the same sort of thing, so you can get Pitbull Blanc, Pitbull Noir, and Pitbull Gris, but the other two are much more rare. You don't see them as often, and they're not as available as widely commercially as Pitbull Blanc. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with the, uh, the pit, Pitbull Noir, then. What's that like? Or do they blend them all together? No, and no, it's all the, the, mixture? the 90... Oh, I won't say my percentages exactly, but a good chunk, probably 90% of what's under vine now is white. Oh, okay. So when you get a Pickpool de Pinay, that's made of the white grape variety. Right. And in Occitan, which is the indigenous language in that neck of the woods, um, it translates as lip stinger. Does it really? Yep. How interesting. Yes. I think the idea being it's more like lip smacking acidity because there's a freshness to the wine. Uh, okay. Yeah. And what, what um, char- characteristics can we... Um, what can you expect? What can we expect? Yeah. 
drink it when it's young usually mm-hmm. and it's crystal clear so it's a very clear pale wine and sometimes you get these little green highlights when you look at the color against a white surface and that's usually a nice sign that it's young and fresh and vibrant um then on the nose some people say it's soft and delicate i find it more mineral and saline it depends who's made it but usually something that's more mineral and saline hints of acacia maybe some herbal notes um Blossom notes, white flowers, citrus pith, those kind of characteristics, depending who's made it. But sort of, it's not massively aromatic. It's more sort of, if you enjoy something like Chablis or Muscadet, it's a great wine to try because it falls within that sort of canon. And if you enjoy things from Italy, like Garvey. Yeah. Oh, okay, Garvey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sort of, stylistically, it's not dissimilar. I mean, it has a unique character, but they're sort of those whites that have a freshness and a minerality to them and a clarity. And they're not, it's not oaked. So it's, if you don't want new ah. oak, it's perfect. Is that generally, you know, Languedoc in general is unoaked? Or no, no, just I, this particular. Specifically, yeah. Pickpool, I would say, is I've, it's usually fermented in stainless steel these days in temperature controlled vessels. So you get a very clear, precise wine. And then, yeah, good acid and good structure. So that's its sort of characteristics. But. Um, it was a VDQS. Gosh, I don't even know if that exists as a classification anymore, but it was sort of the classification that sat underneath an Appalachian wine okay. um, in the 50s. And it became a Coteau de Languedoc AOC, so an Appalachian in the 80s, in the mid-80s. Um, but then gradually as time passed, people de Pinay has its own designation now. So it's an area that's actually quite big. It's 1,400 hectares. Oh, OK. So yeah. it's, it's not teeny tiny. Um, uh the Gulf of Lyon in the Mediterranean is where it's located. I've just looked at my own notes. See? There's no, there's no hope for us geographically today, Brian. Not I think really. our geography is... Yeah. I think I might say just subpar. Just slightly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you know what? You can, you can be forgiven for just, you know, not just wondering, not being 100% certain if it's on the, the Mediterranean <laughs> or the Atlantic coast. I Visual- don't think you can be Atlantic? forgiven. It's definitely not the Pacific. You can't be forgiven for being in the wrong country altogether. <laughs> that's, that's sort of, yeah. But so if we're going to talk about where it's from, though, specifically the vineyard climate, it's pretty dry, but there is some humidity because it is coastal. That we do know. Um, <laughs> But the, there are some vineyards that are much more to the north, and those have more garrigue, so sort of that wild terrain that you see in the south of France where you've got some pine trees and wild herbs and things like that growing, and you've got rocky outcrops and things like that. And a warmer climate probably because you're a little bit further away from the coast. Um, then further south, the land is less steep, there's less rocky outcrops, it becomes flatter. But what you do benefit from here is the influence a little bit more of the maritime climate and the sea. So th- in some places, the sea almost, the, the vineyards sweep down towards the sea. Wow. So the the, the, the actual water, and now I'm trying to think back to my yachtsmaster days, the yes. water um, changes temperature slower than the land or quicker than the land? It's one or the other. It's quicker i think because it's things like sea breezes that come in that temperature as the temperature drops at sea the breezes roll in right and the warmth of the land obviously helps create mists is that correct yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Condensation. that's right yeah, and yeah that creates the cooling effect okay so you've got but then don't quote me on that <laughs> <laughs> so, th- th- so anything near the, near a, a large body of water then has got those um i can't remember the the terminology you said but it cools it down sort of yeah, so if, if you, quickly, if you run a bath yes. and the, the water's not boiling hot, so there's loads of steam coming off it, and you put your hand near the tap and where the, it's hitting the, you know, the water down below, you can feel cool air starting to circulate. 
And it's a similar principle. So by bodies of water, you can benefit from cooling influence, but you can also... The, the, the downside is obviously if, it's, if you've got a more humid environment, there's more risks of things like mildew. Ah, yeah, of course, because yeah. you've got that yeah clammy sort of damp dankness. Yeah. So you know, yeah, what gives with one hand takes with the other very often. Yeah, viticulturally and agriculturally, I think. Yeah, there's yeah. always a downside. Too much sun, not great. Too much rain, equally bad. So some of these areas, um, I know um, uh, Henry, wasn't it Henry? We were yes. talking to Henry Lathwaite, not not couple of weeks ago now he was saying that as you know as long as you get it right in the in the vineyard mm-hmm. then the actual sort of wine making that's relatively compared to the easy bit and really it sounds to me that all these different in, like like being near large bodies of water mm-hmm. you, you've got to you've got to take into consideration the dampness and yeah. the mould effects and all and of these things. There's so where, many things, isn't there? Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why often indigenous grape varieties work, because if they've grown up within a region, they often have a degree of protection or natural resistance to certain threats, because that's the reason why they've grown there for years. Although something like Pickpool does have a tendency to develop mildew, if the vineyard's handled correctly and the canopy management, which we talked about before, is handled correctly, then you can mitigate that to a certain point. And there are sprays that they can use that are allowed organically, so copper and sulphur are often commonly used for different forms of mildew. Um, and the bunches of pickpool are quite loose, which again encourages airflow, which will help reduce the build-up of rot, which is one of the other problems that you get. So, you know, they, all these little things of indigenous variety growing there, it's part, I mean, yes, they can still fall foul to certain illnesses but and they're a little bit pressures. more hardy to it perhaps than yeah which is the reason they're growing there in the first place it's ah, not okay. like sort of bringing um you know i guess a i'm trying to think of a grape variety because they do grow chardonnay there but chardonnay yeah. there growing it in that maritime climate isn't the same as growing it in burgundy which is its heartland which is a more continental climate so you know you there's swings and roundabouts for both but often indigenous varieties in a place work well for the reason that they've been there probably forever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and oh, just I was just I just had a question on the tip of my tongue then, and just went off on a direction. Go on, what was it? Go on, think. Well, I'm think, trying think. to think. I can't think. You can't think. You're not today. Okay, we're struggling, but okay. What we shall do then is I did make a note of some of the Appalachian rules for oh, right. pickpool. Okay. So we talked about the delimited areas and what that means. So to be a pickpool de pinay or a pickpool, you have to abide by certain rules. So, for example, the yield can't be more than 60 hectolitres per hectare. So they're controlling the yield of the grapes to is, be part of the Appalachian. So is that so that it just doesn't take too much um, nutrients out of the soil? Or actually, so there's not too many grapes using yeah, a limited so resource of soil? Yes, yeah, so you don't overcrop, basically. Okay. But it's still a fairly generous yield, because you'll speak to people who'll tell you, well, you know, my, my yield for my wine was... 8 hectolitres per hectare, which is tiny in comparison to 60. And many people will probably fall underneath the 60 hectolitres per hectare, but there's a cap put in place. OK, so what, what would you say is a normal um, uh, hectolitres? It literally, it varies. Some great Just varieties everywhere. naturally crop higher. Okay. The older the vine, the lower the yield usually is. Right. Um, what we should, I should actually, when I, if I remember, we can look and find out what they probably are for Chianti. We look at Chianti next week and the different regions in Chianti. Yeah. And you see the difference potentially between, I suppose, a Reserva and a Classico and a straight Chianti. We can have some examples so that you can see how they cap it and how that... I mean, many people are well below. You'll speak to them and see what they yield. But then if there's a really good year where you have, let's say, perfectly balanced weather conditions that is completely perfect for that grape variety, you might still produce enough fruit that's of that standard 
And so it's fine, you have 60 hectolitres per hectare and you've got a bumper crop. But they don't want them to go above it because there's a perception that that will erode the quality of the wine to the extent that it starts to affect the brand or the image of the region. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also things, the production area, they have centres of production, obviously famous places. There's the Pomerol, Pinay, Castelnau de Guerre, Montignac, Mezé and Florensac. And they're all areas that you're likely to find in villages where they're producing and planting Pitbull to make Pitbull de Pinay. Um, and the whole area is fixed. It's 1,400 hectares. And that's, that's it. So outside of there, that area, you can grow Pitbull, but it won't be called Pitbull de Pinay. Where can we get a good example of this? What is is there a it's nice? It's actually really widely available. Is it? You can find it in most, I'd say, most decent supermarkets with a wine section, and most wine merchants will probably have a pick pulled a pinet. Oh, do you know what I'm going to be doing? And it this comes often? in a comes in a bottle, a green bottle that's actually sort of shaped. It's got like a little ridge at the bottom, and the bottle goes up quite elegantly. And then there's usually an embossed logo on oh, the bottle, really? so it's quite smart. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Mm. Mm. Good pick pull. Good pick pull is a joy. But yes, so it's, yeah, maritime influences, diurnal temperature changes where necessary, susceptibility. And fun fact, although it's susceptible to mildew, is apparently the grapes fall off really easily. And in the olden days, they used to put trays underneath the vines because as they ripen, they would fall off so they could catch them. So they don't do that anymore? I don't think they do it that often. I think they're probably out there picking a bit more quickly. (laughs) But yeah, they come off quite easily. So yeah. Okay. So in, uh, what are you saying, that, that sort of many years ago, in the olden days, they were just lazy? <laughs> was that it? No, I just think they, they probably didn't have the technology and the number of people to go, right, it's going to be ripe in a day's time, we've got to get the Let's army go. of people in the vineyards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they're these oval-shaped grapes with very loose bunches. So you know when you go to buy grapes in the supermarket, sometimes they're really compact and close together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're much more loose and open, and yeah, they fall off very easily. Off the, you know, sometimes it take, it's hard work yep. getting that grape off the stem. Yep. Yeah, yep, these aren't like that at all. Okay, yeah. lovely. So, um, do you know what? I'm I'm intrigued with this wine. It's, it's something that I, I have to say I've never heard of it before. Yeah, well, there and you go. I am going to uh, be having a little look for this because uh, fresh tones, it's acidity. Quite, yeah, it's. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. It's a nice fresh style of wine. And do you know what? I'm going to need to know. I can't imagine what. Can you eat with what it? What can you eat with what? it? If only there was a way, Kath. If only there was a way we could find out what cuisines go well, with the wines of, we've been talking about. One of the things people often recommend with this, I've deliberately not put down because I think it might upset you, but I might mention it anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. I'm not mentioning it yet, though. Oh, interesting. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out what it is that uh, might upset me if Kath <laughs> mentions it. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to River Radio. It's Uncaught with Brian and Kath, and it's Thursday. The time is 1.39. We'll be right back with that little secret after Portugal the man. No, not the man, the other one. Portugal the man, yeah. Feel it still. Feel it still. Yeah. 
stations please that'll be a penny love. thank you there is one radio station there can be only one there can be only one there can be only one that stands out from the crowd i want that one all right what is this thing it's river radio there can be only one one that's made entirely out of syrup <laughs> Yes, indeed. Welcome back. Oh, we're into the third part. We're in the final stretch. Um, it's Brian and Kath, Uncorked. We've yeah. been talking about Tuscany and Languedoc wines today. Yes, we have. And uh, not at any point did either of us get any confused with any of the geography <laughs> anywhere. We're struggling with geography today. I don't what? know why. I don't even know why I mentioned it. Normally, my wine region geography is not so bad. Oh, it's been fine today. It's just your, I don't know. your, your no, ocean no, and no. sea geography is <laughs> quite so good. <laughs> There's no hope. There's no hope. So now, um, before the break, before we were um, heard uh, Feel It Still, Portugal, the man. Um, <laughs> There's a full stop, so you're correct to pause. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Accurate. That's, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm all about. Accuracy and Accuracy precision. Accuracy and precision. Um, yes, Just before, like a pit bull. Yes. Before that, we were talking um, about uh, pit bull. Yeah. Sounds so like a dog, doesn't it? A pit bull. It, stylistically, I wouldn't. If you had to think, what dog does this wine remind you of? That would not be my automatic it, choice. It wouldn't, would it? No. Right. But we were talking about that, and um, <laughs> that'd be our new feature. What what, what, what animal does this yes. this wine remind you of? Well, a bit, a bit like the crisps I'm going to be asking you about in about five minutes' time. But um, I've already pondered that. Oh, have you? Yes. Pondered funnily the crisps. Enough, funnily enough, <sighs> you know how to bring match wine matching with cuisine down mm-hmm. to Brian's level crisps monster munch pickled onion mm. or hula hoops which one I don't know could be any but you know, is it a hula hoop is it a hula hoop yeah, it's part of life we all eat crisps at least once in a while once, at least once in a while yeah <laughs> I was finding a polite way to say it Brian 
Okay, and you're going to be telling us uh, something that um, might upset me. Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to recall. Yeah, okay. But first of all, one important thing, and yeah. one of the benefits of people when you're matching with food and wine, yeah. is that the it has this sort of mineral character to it that helps sort of neutralise and balance things like iodine um, salty flavours that you get in seafood and shellfish. So an automatic match for it is anything sort of crustacean-like or yeah. sea or fish-like. Um, but it's also really good in the broadest context with, you know, your average sort of... Imagine your charcuterie and cheese board that you might have in France. Those sort of things, some olives, anything that's a bit salty. It's got enough acidity to cut through things that have got some fat. But even strong cheeses, not just... It works well with. So that's sort of your headline. Seafood, crustaceans, fish, cheese and charcuterie. So when in doubt, you can take that path. Right. Okay. But when we're thinking about seafood, mm-hmm. one of the th- classic things they have it with um, are anchovies. Oh. I told you it would upset you. <laughs> That's just wrong, isn't it? <laughs> See, I like, I like, oh. we differ on this. I like some bit, I know it's the Marmite thing, isn't it? Yeah, I like Marmite. See, I like Marmite, but I like anchovy as well. You, you wouldn't just eat a whole anchovy. Would they marinate anchovies? Yeah, in oil and greasy, slimy, no, no. horrible <laughs> things. No, no, they're not like Little that. bones in there and... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish we could throw everyone your face. So I told to it would up. I didn't mean to upset you, but it was kind of worth it to watch yeah, you squirm. Yeah, and you know what? Enough to make a maggot gag. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. What a phrase. I might have to find a way to use that at least once more this week. <laughs> <laughs> make a maggot gag. Yep, yep, yep. yep that's yep. a good one. Yeah, so we'll move on from the anchovy. We'll Let's park do that. that. Okay. Um, okay. But a classic thing is croquette de brondade. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. I know what a croquette is, but I don't know yeah. what brondade is. Um, salt cod. Oh. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, so salt cod, which is that sort of dried cod. You see it a lot. Um, they make bacala and things in in Portuguese food as well, which is a very similar thing, and they work amazingly. So a glass of pickpool and a croquette de brondade. I wondered why we had Portugal the man. Yeah, that was my very, very tenuous <laughs> link. See, there is always one. There was Tuscany and then Languedoc and Portugal. You were, think, you were thinking, I, was thinking I, was about, I thought you hadn't asked me yet. Yeah, I thought the world's gone mad. But look at that, you figured it all out on your own. Yeah. It's yeah. like, how tenuous and off the wall can Kafka this week? <laughs> They're getting more and more and more tenuous as we progress. It really will. We'll, ne- next week will be, yeah, fly me to the moon. Well, what's that got to do with wine? Well, the moon was in the sky, sky? you know, yeah. it looks over the region. It impacts the tides and the yeah. di- and uh, biodynamics. Yeah. Like everywhere else. In fact, you might have just chosen the song for next week. <laughs> yeah, I might have done. <laughs> oh, so, Croquet de... Uh, so how do you put it? Bandard. Bron- Brondard. Brondard. Yeah, Brondard. so salt cod. So, basically, it's sort of like a slightly white fishy potato cake. So, fish cake so the, is, is a sort of a, a less glamorous way of saying it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, so things like that will work really well. And weirdly on my notes here, yeah. and this might just be a crazy typo by me, because I'm trying to think of an example. I put chocolate Oh, really? I think that when I was making my notes, my mind may have just strayed to chocolate. May have wandered. And I typed it. Because I do think about chocolate quite frequently. <clears throat> the way you think about crisps, yeah. you might find I think about chocolate. Now, don't, there is a modern, one of these modern trends with chocolate that have like salted or salted caramel and stuff like yes. that. Do you reckon that that little bit of salt might just give you a little, little je ne sais quoi of um, Mediterranean f- 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 Saltiness. Yeah. Yeah, I still can't imagine it with a glass no, of pickle. I can't so really. I genuinely think that was me thinking chocolate, typing chocolate, not paying attention to my notes. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It happens. <laughs> thinking, God, I've got to go and get myself a cup of tea and some chocolate. 
<laughs> so straight, unfortunately, it doesn't say a cup of tea on here as well. Um, but <laughs> but any sort of Mediterranean dishes. So a classic would be something like a Caesar salad. That sort of style would work really well with it. But also, I think veggie-wise, things like tomato. Now this which is, are in yeah. season now here that sort of flavour and herbs those sort of things anything that's sort of herby you just said it was really quite nicely. herbally min- yeah. mineraliny mineraliny that's not right is it minerally I'm even trying to think how to say it now and you it's completely don't min- mineral- minerals minerally minerally Miner- <laughs> so we Brian has managed to make me forget how to talk yes yes I, I have that influence <laughs> I do indeed I do indeed minerally okay um so, uh, also aperitif style. Yes, so that means it's great just for a glass because they're, they're not normally too high in alcohol. They probably sit at around 13%. So they're quite nice. If you want a chilled glass of white before you start your evening or you start your meal, it's a good, a good one to have. So do, do, do you think it, it might be a nice one, a pit bull for... Because sometimes a lot of wines, they really lend themselves to being had with cuisine. Yeah. But others, actually, if you're having you a drink with drink. friends... Yeah, I think it works with that because there's a lightness to it. It's not too sort of overly aromatic or overly hedonistic or high in alcohol, so it works well. But also it's good with those nibbly things that you might want when you're having a glass of wine with friends. So olives, salted almonds, crisps... Oh, talking Look at that segue, beautifully done. So Brian can get on to his favourite subject. You knew where I was going. Yeah, I knew where you, you were going. Sooner or later, it's always going to come back. Back to crisps, yeah. So what, what would your preference be? Because I have actually, when, when I wasn't thinking about chocolate, mm. I did ponder the crisp thing. Okay, mm. well, I, we've said this before, but I, I think, you know, going with the, uh, the seafood sort of flavour, is it prawn cocktail? Yeah. You see, I think a classic prawn cocktail, maybe even a skip. A skip? Yeah, that could work. Oh, we're very, we're very highbrow now, but if, aren't we? But if you wanted to go highbrow, yeah. I would say a vegetable, the vegetable chips you get. You know, the vegetable crisps. So you get some beetroot, some carrots, some parsley. Oh, are they kettle or something? Yeah, various, oh, various brands do them. We are going posh, Various we? brands do them. And I think that if you wanted to go more highbrow, some of those would be good as well. Even, and this, this is a bit of a curveball, Brian. Mm. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Salted popcorn. Oh, Really? Oh, we see that's, that's upset him. It's it? upset yeah. him. I've mentioned anchovies already today, and yeah. now salted popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> he's not happy about that. Well, you well, are a crisp purist, aren't you? Yeah. Well, the thing is, don't pop- stray from the genre. Popcorn shouldn't have salt on it anyway. Really? What do you have on your popcorn? Toffee and R- sugar, and oh. it's a sweet thing. And right. oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've got we've got an intruder. We've got an intruder who's going to chip in now. Sorry. <clears throat> Just trying to check. This was the wine show we were talking about. Yeah, I just haven't heard anything about wine in the last ten minutes. Yes, you've got to have five minutes on crisps. It's very important. Oh, I see. Sorry, I'll I'll go back off mic now. Yes, we're in the menu match section. You see, (laughs) Sam, it's all under control. Don't worry. You see, no, I'm. We've done this before. (laughs) I'm going to send. I prefer. I prefer a savoury popcorn myself. I'm a salted popcorn girl. Oh, you're going to have to... Uh, we need a little <laughs> bit of help have, we need, in we the need studio. We need a mediator. We do. So in the studio, we have got... It's just all kicked off, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I started say, with anchovies, and yeah. that's the slippery slope down. Yeah, it was It was only going one way after that. Pick pool and freshly marinated anchovies is a thing of joy. Really? <laughs> so what we need is your help. Um, if you have a preference on popcorn that is either sweet, sweet and or lovely, or got like a little bit of toffee coating, crispy. Although we didn't talk much about Van Santo from Tuscany, but uh, toffee popcorn with a glass of Van Santo might be quite a good match. Oh, okay. just, just throwing it out there. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, 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 right in, River Radio.
Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Sweet or salty, or sweet and salty. Kath at river.radio. That's it. Or Brian at river.radio. Yeah. Whichever. If you, if, you, if you prefer salt, Kath at river.radio. <laughs> if it's, salt, uh, if it's uh, sweet and toffee, Brian at If it's sweet radio. and salty, copy us both in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right then, so where does that leave us then? Where does that leave us at this point of the show? Um, you haven't mentioned cheese. Well, I did mention it briefly. Did I said, you? you know, yeah, I missed it. You did not listen to it. You were so, you were so upset by the prospect of anchovies. Well, I think, yeah. That, that was it. No, cheese charcuterie. Pick Paul is a brilliant match oh. with all of them, particularly stronger cheeses. So cheeses which, you know, a stronger style of cheddar or a comte or something that's sort of cave-aged, it will work really well with. But it also can work well with things that are slightly creamier because it cuts into the, the richness of those sort of creamy cheeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, not so good possibly with blue cheese. But I, I, I would happily taste a selection with it just to be sure. Okay, so if you had then the, the expense spared, okay, this is the whatever you want here, Kath. Yeah. With one of these Pitbull, best Pitbull wines, best one, three million pound bottle. Yeah, unfortunately, they, they normally top out about 12 pounds, 12, 13, maybe 14 pounds. So okay. between 10 and 14, so they're good value wine as well. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. knock yourself out, go for a 14 pound bowl. What would be Drink your better, not meal? Eat better, not more. Yeah, yeah. What would be your cuisine then? What are we looking at that you would have in front of you? A plate full of anchovies, bit of chocolate? I. <laughs> no, with this. I would probably, I do enjoy to have a glass of it with some, some green olives and some, um, some salted almonds. Okay. Really nice. But if I was having it with food, I really like it with things like prawns and langoustine. Yeah. Some more marinier maybe in a glass. That's also quite oh, nice. Oh, now we're talking. Hello. Some de mer. Do you know what? If you're cooking, like, so let, let, we, we bring in a different, you know, if you're actually going to cook something, if you were doing mussels and you yeah. were cooking them, you could use, you could use, use a little one, bit yeah. of that wine. And, and then a glass of it as well. Oh, that would go nicely, And you it? may, if you were feeling like you were a person that wasn't going to drink too much, because that's very important. That's right. You could have a glass while you're cooking them. Oh, behave. Yeah. That famous quote. I love to cook with wine. Sometimes I even put it in the food. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hello. Who's this? Somebody's... Uh, we've got a, a, an email in. Definitely sweet. Thank oh. you. Oh, that's Gemma. Thank you, Gemma. Popcorn's <laughs> definitely sweet. So it's 1-0 to the sweet popcorn. Yes. Well, sadly, quite right Sadly, too. my kids aren't allowed their phones during the day. They'll be going, salty, 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 mum, salty. Really? <laughs> yeah. Although, actually, the little one likes sweet and salty. The big one likes salty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, let's find out what Sam likes. Well, I'm, I'm on the salty side yes, as well. Yes, you I'm are. Afraid. Yeah. But also, I'm just a little question. Your kids aren't allowed their phone during the day. When are they allowed their phone? Well, not really at all. Oh, right. So they just don't have a phone. They don't have it when they need, when I know they might need to get hold of me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zero I tolerance I haven't got phone. any answers to that. Moving yeah. swiftly on back to you, Brian. They, they're young enough that I can do that, Sam. <laughs> you wait till they're 14. Yeah, exactly. I've got a year. <laughs> for the oldest. Don't hand it back to me, Sam. I'm still trying to find Tuscany in the middle of France. <laughs> <laughs> We, 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 our geography today has been... Sorry, my, was my, that you talking French? We, we, we. We, 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 we. Yeah, well, actually, it's uh, both purposes. Ah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Today, my, my ocean knowledge and location of things has been a complete blank. And <laughs> Brian has been truly on form when we were talking about Tuscan. He said, that sounds quite Italian. Said, yeah. <laughs> so glad you two aren't doing a travel show. <laughs> you could end up anywhere. It would all be a surprise, though. And surprises can be quite nice. We re- rename you Judith Chalmers, should we? 
if you want. If you want, but it might not be as accurate as Judas. It's not the weekend, is it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Kath, what are we going to be talking about, about next, next week? week? Well, we sort of alluded to it a bit already. I'm going to, well, you are going to, with me, mm-hmm. um, have a look a bit more closely at Chianti specifically in Tuscany. So we'll look at subzones and what the differences mean, because a lot of people see Chianti and they're, what's the difference between a Classico and a Reserva and a Rufina? What does it all mean? Yeah. So we'll look a little bit at that. Well, that will be handy, won't it? Yeah. Now, Chianti, of course, made famous by... From, by the- <laughs> Oh, yes, I was going to say made famous by its location in France. No, 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 by Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yes, exactly. So he liked a bit of that, didn't he? Apparently, yeah. <laughs> in the movie, anyway. I think in the book it's something else he likes. Oh, really? Yes, exactly. Mm, well. And then, and weirdly, yeah. with your moon thing, it's almost like you knew psychically. Yep. Slightly disturbing. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought we could have a look, bravely, because it is slightly out of my comfort zone, at biodynamics. As, at what? Yeah, exactly. Biodynamics. Now, this is, this is new. Dynamic bios. Okay. And this is to do with, like, movement of planets and things and the moon? <laughs> movement of planets. Um, in some respects, yes, it's, to do, it's, a, it's a method of um, agriculture, but people apply it to lots and lots of things. It stems back to a chap called Rudolf Steiner. Um, and it's looking... It, it's sort of... Imagine... And, p- again, feel free to shoot me down in flames via email. But organics with bells on. Okay. So it's to do with sort of sustainability and vineyard practices and winemaking practices, and it, it covers all of those things. Um, and it, it's the, the methods that you employ. So some of it sounds a little bit woo and a little bit weird. And who was the chap that came up with this? Um, the philosophy behind biodynamics was created by a guy called Rudolf Steiner. And this, he sounds German or something? He was Austrian, I think. Austrian. Okay. Yeah. And is, it's, is this a fairly new sort of... No, no, it dates back, well, I mean, I guess he probably, I can't remember what his dates are, we'll know that for next week. Um, but even some sorts of skincare, so Dr. Hauschka skincare, as, as, as SJ will probably know, um, is made on long biodynamic principles. So it's not just wine, but we're going to look at it, in, obviously, in the context of wine. Wow. Well, Sam will probably walk through the door and go, why are you talking about biodynamic popcorn? No. Oh. I wouldn't, well, I'd be confused if you did biodynamic popcorn, but I you do actually, <laughs> I actually have a little knowledge on yeah. biodynamic wines. Yeah. yeah. So they are, they're, it's, it, well, well, we'll go into it next week. Look forward yeah. to it. Yeah. Fantastic. And talking about uh, Cow, digging, digging holes for cow horns. I've no Luna, idea Luna what that pool. means. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, it's, I think we'll just wrap it up here because yeah. the world has gone mad. I don't know what people are saying. I'm still wandering around. France looking for Tuscany and goodness knows what else. Um, and you did mention SJ, she'll be here um, five till six uh, with T for two right here on River Radio. Then six till seven this evening, ask Annabelle, yeah. our resident sex and relationship expert. There's loads of stuff. Stay with us. And of course, kicking off tomorrow, seven o'clock, we've got the full schedule. Do not go anywhere, you naughty people, you. Um, you're listening to River Radio. That was Uncaught with Brian and Kath. We'll be back same time next week. Bye for now.
In a world where 